Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Colossians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to focus on Paul's letter to the Colossian church, to the church in Colossae. And uh, I I love it. I love what what Paul is talking about here. And uh, this is uh, a letter that he wrote to a church that he had never been to before. He had just heard about everything that was going on. And so he he wrote them a letter about everything he had heard that was going on in the church. In the church, some issues had come up. How many know sometimes there could be issues in church? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes there can be issues in church and, uh, you know, there's issues everywhere. And sometimes the issue, I, I just want to say you have the best shirt in the world that, yeah, there you go. Turnover chain by you, Miami hurricane shirt is absolutely phenomenal. And it just caught my attention. I saw like the glory of God all over you. And I just, I had to say it. And, uh, there could be issues in church. Everybody, I just everybody's looking at you. Um, and so as, there's could be issues in church. And so Paul is writing because he heard about some of the issues that were going on in this church. He begins the letter by greeting them and then he's praying for them and he prays this specific prayer for the church. This is what he wants the church to find out. These are important letters. These are extremely important letters. What he's saying here. Look at these words. We're going to begin to ver- read in verse 9. Everybody there? If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Paul says, for this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in what? In every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. He says, I want you to grow in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Look at verse 12. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. How good is that prayer by Paul for the church? Come on. Yeah, you can clap for that. Come on. Those are good words that Paul is reminding the church about. Out of those few verses, I want to share a message with you this morning that I've titled, More Than Enough. More Than Enough. If you're writing down notes, I want you to write that down. More Than Enough. And out of that subject, I want to share for the next 25, 30 minutes, and then we'll worship Jesus again. Cool? Everybody good? Oh, so good to see you here. I love you, my bro. Come on, why don't we close our eyes, bow our head. Let's ask God to bless this time. Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace. We thank you that you are awesome. You're worthy to be praised, God. There is none like you. Jesus, we thank you that we gather together here at this 11 a.m. service to worship you. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for everything that you're doing. And thank you for everything that you're going to do, God. I pray that today you'll bring healing to our lives. I pray that you'll open up our eyes to see you better, God. That we would see that there is none like you. God, we, we thank you for what you're doing across the life of this church, God. Here from our Kendall campus to our city campus. God, tonight as we have a night of worship just to lean into you, to lift you up, God. We pray you have an incredible move tonight. 
tonight, God, as you open up eyes and set people free. We believe that tonight it's going to be a special night, God, in our city campus. God, I believe it starts right here, right now. I pray that you would heal any who have walked in brokenhearted, any who walked in uh, with a heavy burden on them, God, that you would lift it up. God, that you would give them just a, a refreshment of your spirit, God. We thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you're for us. And we thank you that the hurricanes are now 10 and 0 on the way to a national title. In Jesus' name, all God's people say. Oh, come on, 11 a.m. All God's people say, can you give God a big shout of praise? Come on. As many of you know, we've been on a journey to uh, try to eat healthier and cleaner over the last several months. Anybody with us on this journey? Any carb lovers in here? You're not on the journey. And uh, I know, I get it. It's a struggle and the struggle is real. So the other day, um, I, I, had, I had tried some before and they tasted amazing. So I tried to make some of my own. Uh, at home, in my kitchen, I tried making protein pancakes. Anybody ever heard of protein pancakes? They taste amazing. They're phenomenal. Anybody love pancakes as it is, right? They're like clouds from heaven coming down on your plate and they're amazing. And uh, I heard protein pancakes were a lot healthier for you and they help you stay lean and they help me with my six pack. So I said, okay, let me try. So I said, let me try. <laughs> and, um, so I got in my kitchen and I just started trying to make some protein pancakes. I said, okay, I got a little bit of protein powder and let me see how I do this. I read some stuff online, but you know how guys are. We're like, I don't need that. I got this. I know how to make it. And I tried making protein pancakes and it started out super weird. I said, okay, maybe I just need the powder and some water. I'll mix it up and then throw it into a pan. I should bake them and they'll be fine. As I started doing that, I started tasting a little bit as it got ready. And I said, no, this, this needs a little bit more. This isn't right. Something is wrong with the way I'm making it. And so I, you ever notice that whenever you try to make something and it's not coming out right, you just feel like the more you add to it, it's going to just taste better. Like I'm just going to start adding stuff to it. Right. And so I just started adding everything I could. I grabbed the banana and I mixed a banana into it. What? I don't even know what I did, but I just, I just feel banana is good with anything. So I'm just going to add a banana, right? I'm just going to throw a banana in there. Then I saw some strawberries in the refrigerator. I'm like, I don't even know how you add that to pancakes, but I'm going to add that on top. And it still didn't taste good. I have no idea what I've been doing. Uh, the protein pack, it just didn't, it didn't even look right. My, my kitchen looked a mess. The pancakes, they looked sad, depressed. That, I mean, they, they did not look eatable. So I grabbed some milk and I added some milk to the batter. And uh, again, clueless to what I'm doing, but I'm just like, if I continue to add stuff, somehow I'm going to knock it out and they're going to be the best protein pancakes you've ever tasted in your life. And I continue to add milk, of course, almond milk, because that's all we drink because we're a godly home. And, uh, no dairy. And we added almond milk and, and then I grabbed some eggs. I'm like, forget being vegan. I'm going to add eggs to this thing. This thing tastes horrible. So I'm just started adding eggs, blueberries. I grabbed everything. I grabbed everything in my, I'm in my fridge and I'm just like, okay, these pancakes are no good. By the time they were done, I just threw them away. I didn't even taste them. I just said, forget it. This is not good. I started adding everything possible to make something that really didn't need all that. I started thinking about this and I started thinking how in life, we live constantly trying to add more and have more instead of focusing on what we already have in front of us. And what we have is already more than enough. It's already more than enough. In, in our Christian life, following after Jesus, so many times we think that if we, if we add more, if we have more, if there's somehow in life we can have more, if, if God can just add a little bit more, then we're going to be all right. 
Instead of focusing that God has already given us everything that we need and everything that we have is more than enough. Uh, you know what I really think? I really think that comparison, things like envy, jealousy, they actually rob us from some of the greatest gifts that we can give God, which are thanksgiving and praise. Right? We start looking over our shoulders and we start seeing what our, what our neighbor has. We start getting a little bit of jealousy and envy and comparison and it'll rob us from giving God thanksgiving and praise. I wonder when's the last time that we actually just stopped to say, God, thank you, not for what I don't have, but thank you for what I already have. Thank you for the life that you've given me. Thank you for the air that is in my lungs. Thank you for the house that I have. Thank you for the room that, come on, anybody grateful that you have shoes on your feet? God, thank you for the clothes that I have on my back. It may not be the best. I may not have it all. God, but thank you that I have oxygen in my lungs. God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for your love. God, thank you for your forgiveness. God, thank you that I'm alive. Come on, is anybody grateful that God has been good to you and you're alive this morning? God, what I have is actually more than enough. When's the last time we said thank you? Right? When's the last time that we were actually grateful? You know what I think this society needs more of? It needs a little bit more thank yous. Right. I, I think we live in a society that is entitled and privileged. And when's the last time that we just said, God, thank you. Thank you for what I have. Thank you, God. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you for the shoes that I have. Thank you for the clothes that I have. I may not have it all, but God, thank you that I'm alive. God, thank you that I have air in my lungs. Jesus, I'm here. Your grace has kept me. I shouldn't even be here, but you have been so good. Your grace has been that amazing. God, I just want to say. Somebody say thank you. Come on. Thank you, God. So as we're approaching Thanksgiving, it's four days away. It's so easy to all of a sudden start looking at what we don't have instead of being grateful for what we do have. We're we're approaching a holiday where we're supposed to be thankful and grateful for everything that God has given us. And as the holiday approaches, we start looking at a turkey like, my turkey's not as big as the one in the Publix commercials. All right? And all of a sudden, this comparison starts. And all of a sudden, my table is not as nice as the one that uh, Chip and Joanne Gaines has in the Fixer Upper. All of a sudden, my room doesn't look that nice. My family is not that big. In fact, my family is not together for Thanksgiving. And all of a sudden, what we have is an attitude of ungratefulness instead of gratefulness. When's the last time we said, God, just, just thank you. Thank you for everything that you've given me. Thank you for what I have in my life. Thank you for what's in front of me. Thank you. I think that when we begin to thank God, it opens up so much in our life. The Bible talks about thanking God over and over, all over the scriptures. We see it over 150 times in scripture. It talks about thanking God and thanksgiving. Over 150 verses, you're going to find out that the Bible talks about how we should thank God and why we should thank God. 150 different scriptures. If you go to the book of Psalms, only in the book of Psalms, there's over 30 times that the psalmist begins to thank God for what he's done and everything that he has accomplished in our lives, for creation itself. And he talks about us having a a thankful heart. At least in Psalm 100, one of my favorite psalms, the psalmist says this in Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Come on, give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generation. And again, he said, it is a good thing to get, it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Come on, we got Jamaican this morning. It's a good thing. <laughs> Come on, is anybody thankful for the good things he has given us? Come on. He's a good God, 
and he's worthy to be praised. He says, enter his courts and enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. I know this morning you probably woke up with a lot of stress. I know this morning you probably rushed out the house trying to bake some pancakes like me and it didn't come out good. And the kids are all over the place. They're half dressed and you're bringing them to kids ministry. Like this is embarrassing. Oh my God, look at my family. And you're coming in with low gas and you got no money for the rent. But the Bible says to enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. I wonder if somebody at 11 a.m. has a thanksgiving on their lips and a praise on their heart and can just say, God, you've been good. God, you've been faithful. I'm going to enter your house with thanksgiving on my heart and with praise on my lips because you're good and you're worthy to be praised. Can I get an amen? amen? Can somebody just begin to give thanks to God for five seconds? Come on. Can you just thank him for your life? Can you just thank him for your family? Can you thank him for your job? Can you thank him for his grace? Can you thank, come on somebody. This is 11 a.m. Is somebody grateful and thankful this morning? Come on, he's a good God. It doesn't say enter his courts with discouragement and worry and stress. It says enter it with thanksgiving and praise. No matter the season I may be in, I won't forget the savior that I'm in. I'm going to enter with thanksgiving and I'm going to enter with praise. The thing is, we live in a culture that's a consumer culture, right? And we call it retail therapy, right? If you're not happy, buy more. If you're not feeling satisfied, own more. If you're not feeling good, eat more, right? Do more, have more, just do everything you can. It's more, more, more. This is how we live. Hey, you want, you're not satisfied in your life. You should have the latest car. This latest car. Oh my God. It's going to make you look amazing. You're going to sit down on it. You're going to feel like you're in an airplane. You're going to drive this thing and it's going to feel, it's actually, you don't even have to drive. It drives for you. Now you're going to sit back and relax. Your life is going to be amazing. A year later, they come out with a better car. And you're sitting in your car like, this car is the worst car I've ever had in my life. Hey, if you get this product in your life, it, it's, it's the best product. It's going to make your life that much better. It only costs $999. It's amazing. A year later, another product comes out, and you're like, oh, my God, my life is horrible. Right? Because it's a, it's a consumer market. And this is how we live our lives. I just got to have more. I just got to do more. I just got to own more. And if I have all these things, then I'm going to be okay. I'm here to tell you that in Jesus Christ, we have more than enough. In him, we have forgiveness. In him, we have grace. In him, God has given us everything. So the Bible continues to talk about Thanksgiving. We get over to the New Testament now. And, and in the New Testament, Paul himself, throughout the New Testament letters, through the 13 letters that he wrote, he talks about Thanksgiving over 40 different times. In fact, in many of his, of his letters, he's, he's thanking God for the church. He's thanking God for his grace. He, he's thank, he has a lot to be grateful for because he's been saved from a lot, right? Paul, Paul was a, a one who persecuted the church. Paul was one who killed Christians. Paul, Paul was literally dragging people out of their homes and stoning them and killing them. And God's grace came and saved him and turned his life around. Sometimes those of us who have been forgiven much sometimes have a lot more thankfulness in our heart. Like if you're sitting here this morning, you're like, man, I don't even deserve to be in here this morning. I should have been six feet under. I should have been in a mental institute. I should have been gone. But God's grace has been good. Oh, my God. You will preach over me thanking God of how good he's been. And so Paul was Paul was always thanking God. He's like, I thank God for this. And I thank God for you. And I thank God for protein pancakes. And I thank God for everything. And all of a sudden you get to the book of Colossians and in Colossians. He says, he talks about Thanksgiving at least seven different times. But right at the beginning of the letter, he's writing to them. Now, remember, he's writing to them because something is happening in the church. 
He heard about this church that started is actually from one of his old disciples that went to Colossae and started this church. And the church is growing. It's thriving. It's doing amazing. But he heard there's some situations going on in the church. Some false teachers have come into the church and they started to lie to the church. And they started telling the church that Jesus, he, he's not everything you thought he was. Jesus, he, you, he's not everything that you need in life. You actually need, you need more. Jesus, he's not the, the supremacy. Jesus, he's not the savior. Jesus, he's not everything that you've heard. Hey, hey, church in Colossae, you need more. So false teachers started to invade the church and they started to tell them, you know what you need? You, you actually need a little bit more religion in your life. You actually need a little bit of mysticism in your life. You actually need to mix other religions with the belief of Jesus. In fact, Jesus is great, but have you heard about angels and other deities that you can begin to worship? If you worship more, you'll have more. So I started teaching all these false doctrines. They continue on with false doctrines and they said, hey, you know what you actually need? You actually need more laws in your life. I know Jesus came and he actually summed up the laws in two, but no, you need to add more laws. You actually need to begin to cut your flesh again. And some of you need to be circumcised. And all of a sudden you need all this human effort. And in Colossians chapter two, actually Paul debates and he begins to battle all these false lies that were beginning to invade the church. And a lot of us could read this and we can say, my God, how could this happen in the church? How could false teachers get into the church and begin to bring all these lies, false doctrines, and mix everything up? But can we be honest? The same thing happens today. Same thing happens today in our minds, in our thinking, in our churches. All of a sudden, we've been following Jesus for a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. And all of a sudden, Jesus, he's not enough. We need a little bit more. We, we need a little bit more. I have Jesus. Jesus is awesome. I've been following Jesus for years and, and he's great. Um, but, but actually, I just, I need more. I need more. Can, can I get Jesus plus prosperity? If, I, if actually, if I have Jesus and wealth, then I'll be okay. In fact, without wealth, then really Jesus is not sufficient. Can I have Jesus and a little bit of, of more religions? Can I have Jesus and, and a little bit of, of, of mysticism? Can I have Jesus and different religions? Maybe I should mix up a few of them and then I'll be a little bit more satisfied because Jesus, he's not enough. Can I have Jesus and a little bit more laws and rules and regulations? Maybe if I try harder in my own effort, then I can do a whole lot more. And Paul is writing, and in the book of Colossians is where he makes Jesus the greatest out of all his letters. And he's telling the church, hey, listen, Jesus is the sum all promise, the glory of the God of creation. In Jesus, you have it all. In Jesus, you're complete. In Jesus, there's no laws, there's no regulations that could fulfill you, that could bring peace that could bring forgiveness, that could bring happiness the way that Jesus can. He's the sum of all of God's promises. He is the one that all the prophets were pointing to. It is the son of God, Jesus Christ, who came, took the sins of humanity, went up on a cross. He died and on the third day, he resurrected. He is the glory of God. You don't need to worship an angel because the angels worship him. He is the son of the living God. He's God. It's Jesus. And he begins to lift up Jesus and he's telling them, hey, get it together. Jesus, he's more than enough. And as he begins to write the letter of Colossians, right in the very first chapter, he's praying for them. And he said, I've heard what's going on and I thank God for your lives and I thank God for your faith. And all of a sudden he begins to pray in verse nine that they will know God. Oh, I know there's some people telling you some stuff. I know your feelings sometimes tell you some stuff, but I want you to know God. To know God will surpass your feelings. To know God will surpass what anybody else has told you. 
I want you to know God and I want you to know him personally. He says, if you know God and grow in the knowledge of God, my goodness, you'll see that he's more than enough. I don't know about you, but I want to know God more. I want to know God intimately. I want to know God. I want to know everything about God. I don't want to hear some story. I want to get in the word of God. I want to get in my Bible. And I want to know the God who created all of the universe and the God who has a plan and a purpose in my life. And so he begins to to talk about God. And he begins to sum up salvation in three different terms, which I want to talk about quickly. Three different terms that he's talking about salvation in Jesus. These are descriptions of salvation. And they're also causes for us to have a thankful heart. He begins to say, hey, I I want you to give joyful thanks. If you're not thankful for anything this morning, can I tell you that if you understand what Jesus has done, you'll have more than just a thank you on your lips. And sometimes it's even hard to talk about and describe. Paul called it the indescribable gift. Because what Jesus did was just so monumental. It was so huge what he's done for us. If you can grasp this, if you can understand this. He says, I want you to give joyful thanks to the Father. Because he's given you an inheritance. He's qualified you for an inheritance in the saints of the light. The first thing that he talks about is we have an inheritance. An inheritance. I want you to write that down. An inheritance. We have an inheritance. A lot of us, we've heard about inheritance, right? A lot of us, we like the word inheritance. Especially if you hear that your parents left you an inheritance. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Some of us looked at our inheritance like, what? (laughs) Right? And we hear about people leaving inheritance for sons or daughters or family, right? Like, like we're, we're just like, man, if my parents left me an inheritance, how great would that be? We, we have something, right? It's something that has been given to us. You've been given an inheritance that is now yours. But in order for you to receive that inheritance, you first must qualify for the inheritance. For example, it, you cannot receive the inheritance that Bill Gates is going to leave to his family. How many of you would like the inheritance of Bill Gates? We have more than enough in Jesus. We don't need it, but... Right. But but we don't qualify for it because we don't have the title or the position to receive the inheritance that somebody else is going to leave to their family. So you first must qualify for the inheritance. Right. Somebody can leave you an inheritance. But if you're not under the title that you are the one who deserves it, then you will never get that inheritance. And so what Jesus did is that he qualified us for the inheritance. I want you to understand this. This is deep. This is awesome what Jesus did. He says, I I, I know you were dead in your sins. I know you were away from God. The the book of Ephesians says that we were dead in our sins. We were far from God. In fact, another translation says that we were the enemies of God. But Jesus came and he has now given us the position and the title as sons and daughters of God. So we now qualify for the inheritance that there is in the father. I remember my first job. My first job, I worked at a restaurant, okay? And I was the busboy, meaning I had to clean tables and clean the kitchen, right? Anybody who ever worked in a restaurant? It's best job ever, right? <laughs> what I wanted to do is I wanted to be the manager. I wanted to get behind the, the cash register. I just wanted to work the register, the little computer. I'm like, this is amazing. You eat this meal, you press it, the buttons pop. I've always had, I just loved it. I've always had an obsession. I'm like, I want to be behind the cash register. I think that's amazing, right? And I would remember, I'm just always trying to get behind the cash register. I want to manage this restaurant, right? I think that's amazing. I think we can make this thing better, but I didn't qualify for the position. 
I didn't have the title. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have anything. Can I tell you that in Jesus, it doesn't matter what your experience has been. In Jesus, it doesn't matter what your past has looked like. He has qualified you as a son and a daughter of the most living high God. He qualified us in the Greek. The word is sufficient. It is me to meet the standard. He has made you perfect in Christ Jesus. So maybe this morning you're like, Alex, I've lived a bad life. Alex, I've had a sinful past. Alex, this past week was messed up. How can I qualify for any inheritance? I'm I'm, I'm just a failure. I've messed up. I've done some shameful things. In Jesus, all sin is gone once and for all. You qualify now as a child of the living God. Come on, is anybody grateful that we are now in Christ Jesus? You have been qualified to receive an inheritance. Now we talked about inheritance. We're like, cool, what's the inheritance of the father? And a lot of us think heaven. Heaven, okay, that is part of the inheritance. Heaven is awesome. Okay, I qualified for heaven. Cool, all right, cool. I'll see heaven when I get there, right? 20, 30 years, 40, 50 years, 60, 80, 100. Cool, I'll see heaven. Can I tell you that inheritance is more than heaven? Our inheritance is eternal life. Eternal life means more than heaven. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has what? Eternal life. Look at John chapter 17, verse 3. It says this. Now this is eternal life that they know you. Okay, so we have an inheritance. It says that we've been qualified for an inheritance. What's our inheritance? It's eternal life. What's eternal life? That we know God. That we know God, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, the Bible says. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So eternal life, our inheritance, is more than just heaven. It's actually experiencing the fullness of God on earth starting right now. Those of us who have decided to follow Jesus, we don't have to wait to get to heaven to have a relationship and to walk and to talk with God. It starts right now on this side of eternity. We have a relationship with the God who created us. We can know God and he knows us. And we look at that and we say, okay, this is eternal life, that they know you. We read that quickly and we're like, this is cute, this is awesome, I know God, he knows me, cool, love you. But actually the word know is an intimate relationship with God. You can know about somebody, but to know them is completely different. That we know God. In other words, our inheritance is that we go back to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve walked with God. You know what I'm thankful? I'm thankful this week. Because I know where my sin should have left me. I know where I should have been. But by God's grace, I may not have everything I want. But I have more than I'll ever need in knowing God, in walking with God, in being in communion with God. That I know him and that he knows me. He saved me. He rescued me. Come on. I got more than enough in him. We know each other. We, we walk and we commune together. And even when I fail, he's given me already a qualification and an inheritance. You have eternal life starting right now. It's God living in you and you living in God and walking together and doing life together. Stop looking at what you don't have and look at what you already have. While people that don't know God, the Bible says they're dead and away from God. We're, we're joined together with him. With him, the second thing that Paul says is that we are... We've been delivered from the dominion of darkness. Delivered. Delivered. We can look at that word delivered in the Bible and we're like, okay, this is awesome. This is cool. He gave me an inheritance that he qualified me for. And then he delivered me from the power of darkness. That's cool. But I want you to know that delivered there, that term, what Paul is saying is deep. It is strong language what Paul is telling the church in in Colossae. He said, I know they're telling you that you need more. 
I know they're telling you that you should try harder. I know they're telling you that if you cut your flesh and if you do certain styles of worship and if you stay away from certain foods, you'll be closer to God. But can I tell you, he says, you've already been delivered from the dominion of darkness. What Paul is saying is that darkness had an authority over our life. Darkness had a grip over our life. Darkness had its claws wrapped around us. We were at the mercy of darkness. We couldn't do anything to get away from darkness. Come on, some of us, we look cute today in church, but God knows a couple years ago when we didn't know Jesus, we were in some mess. We were in some bondage because we were gripped by darkness. Oh, I know you look cute this morning. I know you know all the songs and I know you have your hands raised and I know we're singing God with everything we got. But if we just think back for a moment and say, my God, if I remember where God delivered me from, I was in some junk. I was in some messes. I was stumbling in darkness. I was gripped by darkness. I couldn't, I couldn't, it didn't leave a, it didn't let me go. I was stumbling. I couldn't find my way out. But thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace that he grabbed the claws of Satan and he said, let him go. That's my daughter. That's my son. Son, we've been delivered, y'all. He delivered me from darkness. Oh, now Satan has no stronghold on you and me. We've been delivered by the Father. The word delivered in the Greek literally means here what he's saying is that he saved us to himself. He rescued us unto himself. In other words, he told Satan, let him go. He's mine. She's mine. We've been delivered from darkness. Paul says, what are you doing, church in Colossae? What are you trying to add more to your life? You're trying to add good behavior? You're trying to add more prayer? You think that by praying five hours, you'll be more holy? You think that by doing all these things and all these worship acts and all these rituals, you're going to be better and closer to God? Can I tell you, only God can deliver you from darkness. He delivered you from darkness. Church, are we looking at our lives saying, maybe I just need another car. Maybe I just need more money. Maybe if God gives me another blessing, can I tell you he's blessed you with the greatest blessing of all time? That is his son, Jesus Christ, the greatest treasure in all the world. We have salvation and we found it. Better yet, he found us. He rescued us. Delivered. We've been, we've been delivered. We're no longer under the authority, the jurisdiction we're no longer under the power of darkness. I want to tell you today, if, if the enemy's messing with your mind, if the enemy's messing with your family, if, if it wants to come and grab a hold of everything that already belongs to you, can I tell you, you're no longer under his power. You have authority in Jesus. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the living God. He gave us an inheritance that he qualified us for. He, he delivered us. And third, Paul says, transference. He's talking about transference. He's telling the church in Colossians, look at everything God has done for you. He's given you an inheritance. He's delivered you. And he didn't just deliver you. He transferred you. Whoa. It's not just to save you. Like, like if you and I, if, if we were in the middle of the ocean and we were drowning, like it would be cool if somebody came and threw like, a life jacket at us. Like, I'll be thankful. Like, thank you. Right. But after a while, I'm going to drown again. Like, this thing can only hold me up so long. I'm going to grow tired. But when somebody comes and throws a life jacket, but then they put you on a boat, 
And then they bring that boat and they, drink, and they bring you to some dry ground. And they say, wait a minute, you're no longer in that water that wanted to submerge you and wanted to drown you. I've now transferred you from one place to another. Can I tell you that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just throw a life vest on you, but he transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. Paul says, you no longer walk in the same place that you once did. You've been transferred. I have a different area code. You got to find my new mailing address. I'm a citizen of heaven. I no longer belong to the kingdom that I once lived in. That's no longer my home. That's no longer my address. I got a new kingdom and it's the kingdom of the living God. That's where I subscribe to. That's where I live. That's where I belong with the son of the living God. He says, you've been transferred. Paul says, hey church, you've been giving an inheritance. You've been delivered and you've been transferred. He says, you now live in a, in the kingdom of his son whom he loves. You and I, we don't live in the same place that we used to. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we follow after Jesus, we no longer live in the old country, the Bible says. It says we have a new country, the message version puts it. We have grace country. We live in a new homeland. It's with his son, Jesus. And Paul says in, in his kingdom, it says there is redemption and forgiveness of sins. Alex, but, but I don't have enough. I don't do enough. I'm not good enough. I, I can't get close to God. I've had a bad week. I've stumbled. I've failed. I don't, I don't love him enough. I'm a bad Christian. I don't deserve it. Can I tell you, when was this ever based off of your love or your performance or your effort? It is based off of his love, his performance, and his effort. What he did on the cross, once and for all, it sealed it. There is a redemption. Redemption means that he bought us back. He bought us back. You and I, we were slaves to sin. Bible says we had no no choice we we were bound in sin it was our master but there came around Jesus Christ and he redeemed us he bought us back with a price Jesus came and took all of our sin went up on a cross and he paid the ultimate price for you and for me with his blood with his death he purchased us back In this new kingdom, I got a new master. In this new kingdom, I got a new king. And in him, there's forgiveness of sins. In him, there's life. In him, there's everything that we ever wanted. In Jesus, there's more than enough. I don't have time to read it, but Romans chapter 8 says, that what can separate us from this great love? Nothing can separate us nor darkness, nor heights, nor demons, nor anything can separate us from Christ Jesus. Today, do you feel like you need more? Today, are you trying in your own efforts? Today, are you trying to get closer to God by by your desire, by your will, by your strength, by your wisdom? Are you saying, Alex, I'm not good enough. Alex, I'm trying hard. Alex, I feel like I need more. Can I tell you, rest in him. You have an inheritance. You've been delivered and you've been transferred. Come on, can we give Jesus a big hand? Come on, why don't we stand up on our feet? We can all stand up on our feet with our eyes closed and our head bowed all over this place. 
Maybe you're in here today and you say, Alex, I'm far from God. I, I have no relationship with God. I, I'm distant from God. That's me. I've messed up. I, I have some sin in my life. I, I feel like God want, wants nothing to do with me. I'm full of shame and guilt. That's how we all felt at once. While the church is praying, eyes closed, head bowed all over this place. If today you're in here, you say, Alex, I'm, I'm distant from God. I'm, I'm feeling guilty of some of the things I've done. Some of the people in here have no idea of some of the things I've done. And it's brought condemnation. It's brought guilt. Can I tell you, in Jesus, there's more than enough. You don't have to carry that around. You don't have to live in that place no more. Maybe you're saying, Alex, but you have no idea. You have no idea what I've been through. I don't, but I'm here to tell you God does and he loves you still. This is the gospel. This is grace. This is Jesus. He loves you. While every eye is closed, while every head is bowed for privacy and concentration. If you're here today and you say, Alex, I need a brand new beginning. Alex, I need a brand new start. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. Sin came and it wanted to destroy everything that God ever wanted in our life. Sin separates us and there's a heavy price for sin that you and I can never pay. Jesus came and he grabbed all of your sin, my sin. The Bible says all of us are sinners. We've all failed God. There's not perfect, one perfect person in this place. Jesus came and he grabbed all of our sin and went up on a cross. And the Bible says that he, he died for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins. He died on that cross. He went down to a grave for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ resurrected. He's alive. He's the hope that you've been looking for. He's the answer that you've been searching for. Nothing else fulfilled. Nothing else will satisfy except Jesus. Today, what you need is not another car. Today, what you need is not another job promotion. Today, what you need is not better finances. Today, what you need is not anything else but Jesus Christ. He's the sum of all of God's promises. He's the glory of God. He, he's the peace, the, the hope. He's the answer. While every eye is closed, every head is bowed, I'm going to ask the church to start praying. In a moment, I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I believe hands are going to be raised across this auditorium. If you're saying, Alex, today I need a relationship with God. I need a brand new beginning. I need a brand new start. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you did last year, last month, last week. God is waiting for you with arms open wide. And he's saying, come home. He wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. At the count of three, if that's you, can you raise your hand? I'm just going to see you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. I just want to see you for a second, and then you can put it right back down. At the count of three, you raise it up as high as you can. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I see you. 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 God bless 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 you and you. And you. Awesome. Anybody else? You raise your hand all over this place you raise your hand as high as you can father i thank you for these hands that have been raised i pray that you seal this moment with your holy spirit all of you who raise your hand i'm going to say a simple prayer and i want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart with all you can i believe that god is in this place right here right now in fact the whole church we're going to repeat it out loud say father thank you for today thank you for this opportunity i admit that i'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you come on say jesus i believe you're the son of god that you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected come into my life be my lord and be my savior from today on i am saved i am healed and i'm transformed in jesus name amen and amen
Man. Come on, church. Can we celebrate with them for a minute? Come on. Come on, Calvary. Can we put our hands together? Come on. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.